So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the F1 podcast that's sad that Rio 2016 is over, but is looking forward to Esteban 2020. Because Tokyo and the Olympics and yeah. the so Arianto. because there was a driver called Rio, yeah. who's 2016, fired, Rio 2016. You're saying that Esteban Ocon? He's hosting the next Olympics. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the F1 podcast that's a breath of fresh air for the sport, or possibly a loose cannon and a danger to everyone else. Hello, Max, if you're listening. Ooh. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the podcast that changes direction right at the last minute. Hello, Max, if you're listening. Ooh. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the F1 podcast that's been consulting with the F1 management on how to use the beat machine. I think it's a f***ing disgrace that the f***s at Formula One management can't f***ing use a f***ing beat machine. The little they should just fuck off. I'm Chica Rez, and today, from the Galvanizers Union in Bromley by Bow, we look back at the Belgian Grand Prix. Now, last weekend, the Grand Prix took place in the home of the Big Bang Theory, the country that invented mayonnaise and has the second tallest men in the world. But we're here to discuss the 44 laps of high speeds and challenging corners round the longest circuit of the season, where there were crashes, red flags, and high pressure over tyres. Plus the amazing Max Verstappen, or should I say, amazingly awful Max Verstappen. We'll find out. That's all to come. With me is a man who's been using the summer break to stain locals' walls in Guatemala. It's Terry Saunders. I made a horrible faux pas. Hello, everyone. I spent on holiday for three weeks to uh, Central America. It's lovely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one night we stayed with a local family in Guatemala, like a Mayan family who like gave us food. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> it was like tortillas and beans. And 
give us a bed to stay in and you know we had an awkward conversation in broken Spanish about my beard and <laughs> have any of you heard of DEET? Yes, so the you, anti-mosquito repellent. Yeah, beard. really dangerous stuff. So it's the st- so because there's mozzies everywhere, you've got to spray DEET all over the place and I was a bit scared of being bitten. So as I was ready to go to bed, I was giving myself a little spray and uh, I put my foot up against the wall and like sprayed my foot and then when I moved my foot there was a perfect outline of my foot on these people's walls and I thought sorry that'll just dry it'll be fine like an hour later because DEET is like basically some oily chemical that destroys everything it comes into contact with it's just still there so I put some water on it and I'm thinking I'll go to bed it'll be fine and the water's kind of stripped and I'm like I'm going back into their kind of main room and they're looking at me weird and I'm just kind of looking for paint or something like oh I just thought I'd see what paint you've got because you know it's a lovely colour blue you've got in there the only way I could fix it is in the morning when it's still there really bad I just have to spray (laughs) more deep to you kind literally of repaint the walls with seat. Kind of just, I just, well, that's the thing. And then I, I was, the, the patch was getting bigger and bigger, but I thought you can't see the foot anymore. But then I thought I better spray. So yeah, I, I basically ran out of deet. Then got bitten loads. <laughs> well, that's karma for you. Did it yeah. look worse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alongside him is a motoring journalist who would have been a far better choice to replace Rio Harianto. <laughs> it's Phil Tromans. Really? Yes, that's okay. absolutely right. Hello, everyone. I am the newest addition to the Formula One grid, at least virtually, because I have bought the F1 2016 video game and I have been playing it quite a lot and it's really, really good. So I decided to start right at the back. I, as, as with Rio going, I thought I'll be the new Esteban Ocon uh, and I've joined Mana. And in my first race, I turned all the assists off yep. and I went for hard difficulty. Hang on, all the assists off, even the financial assistance. All the financial assistance no so, and, uh, and immediately was replaced. So as <laughs> a waste of 50 quid. No, I started at the back and I got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane because I forgot to do anything in practice about going into the pit lane so I came flying in far too quickly and then I think I had a crash and I finished last 45 seconds behind Pascal Fairline Oh, but since then I've had a pole position and I'm beating Alonso in the points (laughs) which I was very pleased at but I'm stuck at the moment yesterday I've I've got to Monaco because I'm doing a whole season so I got as far as Monaco bugger me Monaco is difficult to drive around you make I one mistake. They keep saying <laughs> one mistake, entire game ruined, and it's unbelievably frustrating just doing it in my front room. So I dread to think how the drivers feel when they've been practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. They want make, make one slight little mistake, and they well, rip they have, the front of their they car have a slight recompense in that when they crash, they just go to their Monaco apartment. Mm-hmm. So you know that that kind of lightens the blow a bit. When you do a bad start on the game, do you? go well this is if it was real life I just have to get on with this start and carry on or do you reset reload generally I only reset and reload if the accident is just unbelievably stupid like Max Verstappen Chica we just need to ask because the break's been long how are your bowels doing oh Twitter wants to know yeah <laughs> had several things tweets have, things have really improved so let's start with the stories that you've been talking about in this listeners corner Max Verstappen, hero, villain, the young Dutchman brought tens of thousands of orange-clad fans to Spa, but had an action-packed race, clashing with just about everyone from the very first corner. We asked our social media hive mind what they thought of him. Now, Simon Billington said, some of his defensive moves are dangerous and unsporting, though I like his overtaking confidence, and there is a time and a place to try it. But it's not the first corner at Spa when you're on the inside. 
Well, what was your take on the uh, on the first corner menage à toi with Vettel and Raikkonen? Okay, first corner stuff, I don't have a problem with. I think it was Vettel who was in the wrong. He should have given them more room. Vettel just, I agree. Vettel because just turned in, yeah. Exactly, and also Verstappen had to get round the corner as well. Yeah, he, I mean, Verstappen got a terrible start and he had all the pressure of, you know, all these fans have come over to Belgium and gone, you know, you're our guy. He qualified on the front row of the grid and he screwed it up. You know, he, he just, he, he, he ballsed it. He totally ruined the start. So instead of going like, you know, a mature racer like an Alonso would be like, right, I'll hang back, I'll work out what's next. He went, fuck it. And he went at the, he went at the inside. Not the cleverest thing in the world, but not necessarily a wrong move if you watch on board from Verstappen there is a gap there when he starts to go for it but inexperienced as he is you'd think you've done enough racing by now to know that that gap would probably close and as it did and then I felt sorry I I tend to agree with you that Vettel should have given much more room for the same reason he should know that people would probably have them coming together there and give them room well Chase Baker said that his actions both on and off the track at Spa show that he still has a lot of growing up to do what were his actions off the track? Was he just like not entirely he killed sure. a guy? Just, just like That's you know, just because you're young, you don't kill people. Oh, do it, you? really? <laughs> well, looks like we've both got misspent youths, Terry. Opening lap stuff—that's something different. Not his fault. Not his fault. Possibly a bit inexperienced, but he screwed not. it up. But he didn't do anything wrong per se. Stuff later on in the race. Well, the other big thing was the was the the defending against Kimmy on the yep. Camel Straight. Wasn't That's it? That's a different kettle of fish. Also, maybe off the track, is when they had the red flag, he went back to the team and was like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. All, all F1 drivers do that. Oh, but wasn't that just pathetic? It's oh. just like, come on, you've got like 10 minutes to regroup and work out all your strategy and everything. And he's <laughs> just there going, Christian, they said I hurt him, but I didn't hurt him on his head. I don't know why they're saying <laughs> that about me. Where's Dr. Marco? <laughs> but... Scott Crawford said, I'd rather pay money to watch him than watch joyless Jolion Palmer whittle his way around the track. Well, yeah, but careful what you wish for, because otherwise it will be just like a, a, a pixelated part of the race that you can't see. And you go, you, well, you can't watch Max Verstappen until you pay an extra fiver. So you just have this kind of blurry bit. And Alan David said, a young new driver comes in, doesn't play by the unofficial old boys club rules and rattles the old timers. It's great to see, just a shame the cars are so delicate that they can't be chucked around a bit in wheel-to-wheel racing. Well, well, there well. are there are sort of two issues there, and I generally agree with him. Chica and I, particularly, and not so much Terry, have been big fans of Verstappen. I think that's fair to say. Generally, yeah. since he made an appearance, he is a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Even I, though, think that particularly going back to the stuff on the Kemmel Straight and his defending against Kimi was a bit out of line. Can I ask a question? You can. Has it always been called the Kemmel Straight? Yeah, I've never heard of that. I think so. Weird. Carry on. Um. But, uh, I mean, the, the cars are so delicate that they can't be chucked around a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not NASCAR or touring cars, is it? They've, I mean, with exposed wheels, they're always going to be a bit fragile. So, I mean, what is, Alan, do you literally want to see them plough into each other all the time? I am going to say something controversial. That never happens. Oh. I am going to come out in defence of Max Verstappen wait, wait. on that move on the Kemmel Straight that really? I just heard of. Oh, so, so just okay. to, to remind us what happened. So, uh, Raikkonen was coming out. I think he had DRS coming out of mm. Rouge and Radion. Mm. Sound effects courtesy of Chica. Mm. <laughs> um, I thought you were yawning. So they're both going high speed. <laughs> Raikkonen went to overtake, and Verstappen basically sort of sat in the middle of the track, waited to see which way Raikkonen was going to go, and then moved to cover him. An undoubtedly dangerous move. Yes. Really dangerous. So you're defending him? 
But uh-huh. I got a bit annoyed with this whole like Kimmy's argument was basically you could have had someone's eye out with that. <laughs> you know, oh, don't be don't be moving that broom around. You could have hurt someone, right? The thing is, Kimmy's reactions were stellar Formula One reactions, and what happened? They didn't crash. Now, I'm not saying that, that that should be the way that everyone goes driving, but nothing bad happened. And saying something bad's going to happen, is uh, that's not enough, right? It was very exciting. Kimi then, on the next lap, tried again, couldn't get close, and then couldn't overtake for a while. Well, so he, actually, balls, he balls, The next lap, he messed it up coming exactly. out of Radion, didn't he? So, so you could so argue... So what you're saying is that he, is, he couldn't keep up, and then he blamed it all on that. The incident was definitely Verstappen's fault. It was a very dangerous thing, but dangerous, but nothing bad happened. Well, no, nothing bad happened, but as Kimmy said, if he hadn't braked, and he, I mean, coming out of the throttle on the straight is one thing, but having to brake on the, but he on did the break. straight is one thing. Yeah, but... That's because he's good. They're all full on drivers. Sort of, the the fact break. that Verstappen did that, the stewards didn't even look into it, which I was quite surprised about, means that he's sort of established this... Uh, it's very much like the old Senna and Schumacher argument, you know, when they come in and they start doing all this very aggressive stuff and sort yeah. of say, well, if you don't get out of my way, then there's going to be a massive accident. And I'm not yeah. sure if that's the kind of stuff that we should be uh, happy about. Yeah, okay. It's so exciting. Yeah, well, okay, let's do the... Yeah, let's look at the other way. But there's let's a balance. Don't you don't want to see him literally ramming... You know, when, when every, everyone went mental at Rosberg the other week because he just braked a bit late and pushed Hamilton and pushed... Verstappen yeah, off no the track and goes Rosberg. And that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is a very good point. But I think what Verstappen did was much worse. And much as I'm a massive fan of him and I want him to see him, you know, if you if there's a gap, you go for a gap and you're a racing driver, whatever the quote was, I don't want to see him literally weaving about trying to take people off, which in effect is what he was doing. I do. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for f one sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S. Or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Now let's move on to the teams. We'll start off with Mercedes. Now, the Belgian Grand Prix brought us another weekend of tension and clashing personalities with the Mercedes drivers, the Tony Blair and Gordon Brown of Formula One. Race winner Rosberg started in pole, stayed in front, and let's face it, pulled off a blinding victory. But a lot of this is down to the fact that the only car as good as his was at the back. Also, he may have got 25 points for coming first, but gets nil for entertainment value. Hamilton treated us to one of the most exciting drives we've had in a long time, speeding from 21st to 3rd. Now, this is all good, but what do you think of Mercedes' exploitation of the engine rule loophole? I kind of think it works perfectly, which is probably controversial in itself, because it used to be you could have an engine every half hour if you wanted. Oh, it's half to the race, let's put another engine in. And, you know, it's qualified, let's have an engine, always have an engine. And now they've got it down to like five a year, but that's not actually a feasible number, so, you know, there's a few more and you get the city penalty system. The only stupid thing is this 55 place penalty on a 21 person grid. Mm. They should just say the penalty is go to the back of the grid and if you change more than that you've got to start five seconds after the rest or you've got to write a check to children in need anything because the rule was originally brought in so that the wealthier teams just couldn't be better because they could afford more engines right yeah basically yeah, it was brought in to stop them literally spending a, a massive fortune on 
on yeah as Terry said like three mm. or four engines a weekend which they would do if they could but Mercedes have now bought three new engines so they've got more engines than yes anyone. and they've I mean I'm not blaming Mercedes for this at all it's the fault of the rules I would have done it as well they've, mm. they've introduced Hamilton basically three new engines and all the associated bits into his sort of pool of availability and taken all the penalties in one hit but you can only have you can only go to the back of the grid it's not like they had to make him start you know somewhere in the Netherlands well, it'd be good if they made him start halfway around the lap. <laughs> It'd be like, like the cycling in the Olympics where they, they face on opposite sides of the track. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got to go backwards. <laughs> He's got to reverse around facing the wrong way. There's so many parts of the cycling in the Olympics that I think would be perfectly suited to F1. That would be a good I one. mean, this is maybe a separate podcast about a sport that we should develop. Mm. We should sort of do a, a motorsport omnium. That'd be mm-hmm. brilliant. Or a yeah. Kieran, yeah. where we sort of have... Have, a, have some sort of slower vehicle that comes out on the track and everybody has to sit behind them oh, and then the vehicle peels off car? and ev- god damn it Toto Wolf has called for the loophole to be closed after he's exploited it yeah that's like going through the Stargate I have a nagging feeling he was stupid <laughs> I have a nagging feeling he was doing that before this happened didn't he because everyone's been known yeah. everyone's known for ages this was going to happen but I mean if your Mercedes and the options there why wouldn't you do it are they exactly. just going to say well sorry Lewis in the spirit of the rules uh, <laughs> you've got no engine always when Braun had his double diffuser thing when they had the Braun team he kept going uh, guys there's this uh, diffuser thing you might want to change the rules to oh shut up Ross you don't know anything and he's it's like, not going to work yeah it's not going to work what are you talking about okay just just put it out there Ooh. and what do you think about Rosberg's performance he did alright What's that quote? You, to, the best way of winning a race is winning it in the slowest possible time. That's that's a quote, yeah. That's a quote about Formula One, so you've got to be efficient. To finish first, first you have to finish. Good. And he did. If you do not master your fear, fear will become your master. Wax on, wax off. Well, I didn't see him doing that, but having said that, he didn't get much TV coverage, so... Oh, he was waking maybe. off the whole way. <laughs> also, he was booed a lot. Well, I mean, that's pretty common now, isn't it? I don't like that. I have to say. I I'm mean, the guy, the guy, for, for once, <laughs> I couldn't find anything at all to criticise about Rosberg this weekend. I thought he he nailed it in qualifying, Ooh. nailed it in the race, got ahead, stayed out of trouble, drove a perfect race, was even complimentary to Hamilton on the podium. Right, st- well, first, yeah, he's got to stop doing that. That is just pathetic. I'm when he really goes, oh, Lewis is really good, up. isn't he? Secondly, the booing I find interesting because... Obviously, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We don't want people to boo, etc. Except we do, because it's actually quite entertaining. Um, I don't like the it. The thing about oh, booing Rosberg is it's not like booing a Schumacher or a Vettel who kind of outwardly cheated or did something really unfair. He's had a couple of dodgy moves, but he's not anything outwardly cheated. He basically gets booed because people think he's a cunt. <laughs> and I think that's quite unique in sport. Who do you think it was booing? Was it the Brits or was it the Dutch fans or was it... Just a dedicated uh, anyone who's Rosberg ever mafia. looked at Nico Rosberg just couldn't <laughs> help but why, why, why don't you like why, him? Why do we like? Why He's a loving father him? and an excellent racing driver. We don't have to explain this no, no, because no, we know. I know. We I want you to tell us why, him, Terry. But I just want. I just would like a description of why he's unlikable. In okay. what way? Every way. <laughs> his looks. His personality. His history. You don't like his looks. His dry. I don't like his looks. <laughs> don't you dare don't you dare have a go at my bleached hair that looks a lot like Nico Rosberg <laughs> don't boo me Chica <laughs> alright what about Hamilton uh, he did exceedingly well but yeah I think he was quite lucky in that <laughs> half the people in front of him crashed and then I think the uh, the safety car and the red flag helped boot. I mean to the fact that by the red flag when uh, Magnuson exploded he was up to fifth 
Mm. And I think I think he had exceedingly good fortune. I think he even said in the race afterwards, he's like, yeah. well, <laughs> I just kind of found myself in fifth place. But yeah, yeah. you know, I'll take it. I, I mean, he, you know, he did very well. Well, when you see that, you know, that both the Ferraris and Verstappen were basically out of the points in the first corner. And then, you know, you'd, you'd um, have expected him to have maybe hit up to like eight or something anyway. And People in front of him were going, I mean, Verline and Button and Magnussen all wiped themselves out. So we didn't yeah. have to overtake them. Exactly. It's just, you know. Who knows again, how well he would have done if everybody finished, but uh, yeah, I think he, he lucked out. I think, well, oh, I mean, didn't he? Because this, what do you think, what implications do you think this has for the championship? Because everybody was everybody was saying coming up to this, you know, okay, oh, Lewis has won a few races, but he's still got to take that massive penalty, and that's going to be when Rosberg can extend mm-hmm. his leg. Yeah. And Rosberg's done everything he needs to do, but then he's only lost. Has he? He's only gained, well, he won the race. What more can he do? He could have, he could have dropped back to second. <laughs> Waited till Hamilton was right up against him, braked hard, you know, nudged Hamilton off the track, then overtook Ricardo to win. I mean, yeah, he could yeah. have done that. Yep. That's a very online racing way. He of does at not it. think enough. <laughs> but uh, but now Hamilton's now got one more engine for the rest of the season than Rosberg does, assuming they don't introduce a new spec engine. In which case, I think then Hamilton could be at a disadvantage because of some rules. Hamilton is now 10 points in the lead or 9 points whatever it is with an extra engine compared to Rosberg he's had his big hit it hasn't really affected him Yeah, he's fine and romps to victory presumably so Red Bull did bring the excitement to Spa so firstly it proved that their spotty pubescent driver is a national hero and despite pissing off previous world champions as we said and finishing 11th the crowd loves the guy secondly they had split strategies so we didn't know what to expect Ricardo lowered the tone slightly with his archaic shoe drinking act. What did you think of the beaming Australian's drive at Spa? Why is this shoe drinking archaic? Is this like a traditional thing now? It's an Australian. He says an Australian tradition. I've yeah. never seen or heard no. it in my life. Well, I've never been to Australia. And it's even, but I've even seen a lot of neighbours. He got Mark Webber on the podium to drink from his shoe, and mm. even Mark Webber made that face of like, "You realise you're making this shit up." <laughs> but, but Mark, unfortunately, as we've learned in the past has to do what people tell him to do so he drank from the shoe uh, I thought Ricardo did well did uh, I? was out qualified by Verstappen who we've talked about and we'll probably mm. talk about again nah. but yeah Ricardo drove well he smiled he was the most smiley man in the room of awkwardness afterwards that room is getting more awkward Lewis and Nico they don't even look at each other not a handshake not even a glance they're not throwing any kind of headwear at each other. But, you know, Ricardo, he, he said it himself. All the fuss and hullabaloo was about Max, and he just mm-hmm. got on with it and finished second because Max screwed it all up. There was a bit in um, the pits where Hulkenberg got ahead of him. So Hulkenberg pitted before the red flag, changed his tyres. Oh, yeah, oh, it was yes, all luck. Yes. Well, everybody it thought looked, it was just going to be a safety car. So well, no, thought. it looked like it was going to be a red flag because it was a bad yeah. crash. You think, this is definitely going to be a red flag. Then there wasn't a red flag for ages. So all the teams went, fuck it, it's just a safety car. Let's change our tyres. And then they went, red flag! And then... <laughs> just pitted, went, shit! Yeah, and everybody who hadn't pitted went, yeah. oh, I've just got a, got free, a free pit, pit stop, stop. Which is just stupid. The whole why should, why is don't, if it's a red flag, surely they should get out of the car, leave the car alone, and then pop back in. I I'm, think it should be like a virtual safety car, except they literally have to stop where they are <laughs> on the circuit, oh. get out and go and stand at the side of the track. Like that. That, that would just be good. Like, hang out with the fans for half an hour. No I mechanics. Th- I think that, that you're, Chica, what you've just suggested is the rule from next year, that they can't oh, change tyres. Oh. So, so we might as well enjoy it while it lasts. Yep. Ferrari. Ferrari, as always, provided the entertaining verbal accompaniment to a Grand Prix. For most of the race, post-crash, Raikkonen described to the radio how angry he was, while Vettel explained how it wasn't his fault. 
Also, a fucking slip through the net, which was a treat for viewers, fed up of guessing which swear words were being said under the bleeps. Considering that they crashed at Turn 1 and nearly all the drivers' energy went into voicing their grievances for the rest of the race, it really wasn't a bad result. Raikkonen went from being a lap down to scoring points and Vettel did some outstanding overtakes. You have to admit, guys, there was some impressive driving there from the ex-world champs. So I watched watched, um, the last practice session. Kimi came first and he looked stellar. So I then changed my fantasy prediction for Kimi to get pole and win oh. and on pole position he screwed up a bit but he, mm. you know I thought he's still quite high up he's going to do it and um, yeah and then they crashed cool. into each other at the first corner no, so could no, he have done it Kimi didn't do anything wrong at the first no, corner no fairness to him Kimi no, he just drove he, he got a good start that's his pro- his problem was he got a very good start and was in the, in the way but could he have beaten Rosberg Oof. I think he could have been close. Oh, really? I'm, I'm not so convinced because from my understanding... I'm convinced. <laughs> all through practice, uh, in fact, right until qualifying, I believe it was less the fact that Ferrari were really quick, although they were doing all right. It was more that Mercedes couldn't get to grips with the tyres because, you know, there was all this hullabaloo about Pirelli putting in really high mm. mandatory yeah, pressures. but that's and, still and a thing. Mercedes were struggling with them and then by qualifying they'd sorted it out so See, they were about to that, be quick I, again. I didn't, I, I didn't know that when I was doing my fantasy Formula 1. Well, at the times, it's the danger of fantasy Formula One. FF1S.com slash predictions if you're uh, interested in joining us. Good but Vettel, fucking hell, right? A, that first corner was all his fault. B, moaning. God, oh. he moans so much now. I swear, if he'd stopped moaning and started driving, he could have done a lot better. But his moaning is worth a tenth of a second a lap. Exactly. Do you think he should be getting points for moaning? No, I think he should be getting a slap on the wrist. Mm. An actual slap on the wrist? I think what's actually happening is he can see exactly what Alonso went through. Joined Ferrari, win a couple of races, everything's great. And now, you know, James Allison's left. There's no structure at Ferrari. They're in the doldrums. He can't go back to Red Bull. He can't go to Mercedes. He can't go to anywhere else. He's screwed. He's there for a few years and he'll quit. So, so he's trying to take all the blame away so that he stays? Is yeah, he's, he's just making out it's the back markers. Okay. When actually it's him. Force India. Now, Force India are the sly foxes of Formula One. The team we have little or low expectations of. The team we barely even look out for until we suddenly see that one of them is casually cruising around in second place. If it hadn't been for the red flag, we could have seen Hulkenberg on the podium. And after what's been a testing season, that man deserves the sweet taste of champagne on his lips. Now, this understated bunch are ahead of Williams in the Constructors' Championships. Do you think that we could see something impressive before the end of the season? Well, it seems to be impressive right all the way through the season. Like, everyone's concentrating on the next year's cars, so unless Williams divert funds back to this year and, you know, I don't know, somehow making Felipe Massa 10 years younger or something, then they've got (laughs) no chance. So instead, the Force India, through ways that I don't understand... Is a great fucking car. It's just brilliant, I think and it's not you know it's not a Mercedes, it's not a Ferrari, it's not a Red Bull. But when they take each other out in the first corner, who's there? Good old Nico Hulkenberg. Well, they were really quick all weekend, weren't they? Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were. I remember mean, even through practice, they were and qualifying, they were right up there all the way through. They've always been there at Spa, though. They're like they designed I mean, their got, car I to mean, be like Spa's a very high Belgian speed track, mm. and they've got um, mayonnaise, <laughs> and they've got uh, <laughs> and they've got Mercedes engine, so. I don't know how much they're developing their car still, but they're, they're going to be... Deve- uh, Any time the Mercedes engine gets a bit better, they'll presumably reap the benefits. So with that kind of power, you'd think that would be a track that suits them. But having said that, Williams mm. won't. 
particularly close to them. So I thought I did really well. And I, I even thought Hulkenberg might get on the podium at some point, but then yeah. he didn't. Yeah, bloody Lewis. And also, did you see him with Alonso? Yeah, Hulkenberg. a bit of a bit of a It's good. It's great. McLaren. The Belgian Grand Prix brought McLaren to the heady heights of sixth in the Constructors' Championships. But, as always, it was a weekend of peaks and troughs for the Surrey team. We saw Button drive one of the best laps I've ever done in qualifying to then be taken out by Verline in the first lap of the race. Alonso, however, was an absolute hero. After various car changes in qualifying, he started at the back of the grid, only to come flying through like a cheetah in, let's face it, a fairly shite car. Is this a sign that Alonso hasn't been spending his weekdays planning his retirement like we all suspected? At last, McLaren are at the level slightly worse than they said they'd be two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Button was robbed. He'd had a good qualifying. Alonso was just racing like Alonso. He was brilliant. It was yeah. great to see them up near the front. It was great to see him ahead of Hamilton at one point. It was all brilliant. But, you know, let's face it, still finishing seventh, bit of shit. Yeah, I mean, they'll be relatively happy with that, considering where they were, apart from Button, obviously. Yeah, yeah Alonso, we know, is one of the best drivers on the grid. Should we be getting really excited about them being seventh? It, is it an improving car? Yep. Not really. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they had a big engine upgrade this week. That got them to seventh behind the Force Indias? Nope. Yep. Okay, and now the rest of the teams. We'll start with Williams. In Q1, we caught a glimpse of the old Williams. Williams before they started sipping martinis. The Williams that could do competitive times by great drivers in excellent cars. However, this was short-lived. The rest of qualifying was plagued with software issues, while the race was a combination of tyre wear and wasting precious time in unlucky pits. What struck me, though, is that their slick racing machine couldn't pass a McLaren. Is this more than just an off day? Yes. This is just woefully worrying for Williams. I don't know what they're doing wrong. Like, Massa's been moaning all year. They replace his chassis because he's got... He's like, oh, if I get a new chassis, everything will be fine. Gets a new chassis and he's shit Still again. Shit. Yeah. I don't know it's necessarily all that doom and gloom. I mean, it's just more of the same of the season. You know, the last couple of years, they've started well, shown glimpses of promise, but faded. This year they didn't but start why? well. No, well, they've had, they've had occasional glimpses of promise again and once again, they've not really come through with it so but this is like the third or fourth year sort of the new stay. regime that you know oh, yeah they, no it's, it's don't get me wrong it's diabolical. not good enough it's diabolical yeah they so should they should get their asses in gear but i think i think they'll be pinning all their hopes on uh, on 2017 now it's a bit of a bit of a write-off for the rest of the year they've oh. been haven't they just been overtaken in the standings by force, force india, india as well yeah, yeah. so yeah do you reckon next season could be a different story oh well i mean uh, all bets are off for next season because we've got brand new rules brand new cars I wouldn't be at all surprised if everything, you know, is on his head as it as it generally is when they have big rule changes. So, uh, you know, I mean, a few years back before these new cars, Mercedes weren't particularly anywhere, were they? Rosberg and Schumacher weren't winning. It's only since the new rules came in that Mercedes have been quick. So, yeah, I'd expect it to be pretty similar. We'll see what happens. Right. Hey, yes. Hey, yes. Things were looking good for the two Lego cars after strong starts, and both drivers had a gander at what sixth place feels like for a bit. <laughs> Grosjean had a slight engine problem, but it was a fairly uneventful race with not bad finishes. However, did you see Esteban G in qualifying? The bandit blocked Verline, got three more points added to his penalty-loaded licence, and is only five away from a race ban. What do we think of this? I don't think he deserves his place in Formula 1. He wasn't very good before he was in Haas. He had a couple of years off being a Ferrari test driver. Now he's in Haas. He's not very good. Fire him. He's done some all right races this season. He hasn't, he hasn't scored, scored any point. points. 
Fuck him. All right. Crojean's got what, 20 something? Yep, and even he's been a bit boring lately, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, same old story, they're doing all right. Best thing with Haas is Gene Haas this week admitted Haas. Gene Arsehole admitted this week <laughs> that it would have been easier just to buy an existing team and not start one from scratch. Did he, did he say he, wish he did, wishes he'd done it? Or? Yeah, he basically says that would have been a better idea, wouldn't it? It's like, Very yeah. honest, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, like, that, I like that they haven't done it, though. Mm-hmm. I like that they haven't done it. And, and I still think they've not at all shamed themselves. In, in oh, they've how done well great, doing. but they're getting boring. So you don't think if we put Grosjean and Gutierrez in a Mercedes, we could have a different story? Oh, I think Grosjean would do very well. <coughs> okay. Uh, I don't think Gutierrez would do quite as well. But yeah, I, I rate Grosjean quite highly. Yep. I think he's good. Okay. Renault, so Magnussen provided us with what we all secretly hoped for, a massive heart-stopping, tea-dropping, mouth-opening crash where the driver is okay. After losing control of his rear at 180 miles per hour. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Grow up. After losing control of his rear at 180 miles per hour, he spun off hitting the tyre barrier. Now, I'm not saying he should be grateful, but his car was in ruins. There was debris everywhere, and his neck-saving headdress flew off, and he walked away with a small cut on his ankle. Magnus and I acquired a similar injury getting on the tube yesterday. Do you reckon this shows that cars are pretty safe now? I think it shows that the tube is quite dangerous. <laughs> it's well, it's the way you ride it. The only thing, the, the funny thing for this for me <laughs> is that Ocon, Rock Ocon, Oki Ocon, Oki Docals, Rock On, is the official Renault reserve driver yeah. so if Magnussen was out of the Italian Grand Prix they'd have had to get Ocon along but they've just fired Rio Harianto so Manor haven't got a driver so I reckon what happened I reckon his injuries no 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 but Harianto is um, Ocon's reserve driver well, they don't want him but that would be awkward that would be like yeah dumping, but they'd have to be like dumping someone and then going like oh by the way I've got a ticket well for I think Magnussen's going to be okay for Monza anyway so yeah they because my theory is that the man of people sent some people to the hospital and said dress up as doctors so there's Magnuson with like a leg pointing the wrong way and the doctor's like he can race next week it's fine don't worry about it sticking out and everything yeah. <laughs> just don't worry about it he's absolutely fine he'll be alright put some weight on it does it hurt what no, nothing it's fine he didn't, didn't say anything that was me I've got a bad stomach it's fine it'll be alright to go yeah. back to your question Chica um, I mean I think I think I, w- I was quite worried when I first saw the crash because that is, I mean, they're doing best part of 200 through there and he, he went off with quite some force. But um, coincidentally, there was a piece that Martin Brundle did on the Sky coverage literally just before the race talking about safety because, you know, they've been running around with the halos and everything in practice and stuff. And he was saying that he thinks that safety is at the standard where it should be now and he doesn't want to see it, the racing compromised anymore. Mm. I wonder if this highlights that I mean it's easy to say that in that we haven't had a, a fatal for a couple of years or anyone seriously injured for a couple of years but uh, I mean that, that he can spin off at that kind of speed and go straight into a barrier and just have a bit of a cut on his ankle I think it's pretty amazing uh, I think it is and I think it, the, I mean, the last bad crash was Bianchi that was a freak thing because of the tractor yeah on that the wasn't thing. the car that, that, that was, was the crashing into a big metal tractor take that away there's not been a really bad Formula 1 crash Using all Formula One technology for a while now. Yeah. When was the really? When was the last really bad one? There was Massa getting hit in the head, which again was a freak thing, which the halo probably won't probably stop was anyway. Senna, wasn't it? Well, there've been a few oh, big ones. But oh, Shuey broke his leg, didn't he? There's been a few of those, but generally, yeah, I think safety is is very good. So, do you guys want to talk about Palmer? Nope. Nah. Okay, Toro Rosso. So this was not Toro Rosso's comeback, which is not hugely surprising considering they have outdated engines and 50% of their drivers gave up in May. <laughs> By the end of lap one, Sainz's tyre had exploded and the lovely Spaniard was out. Kvyat looked like he might be able to fly the team flag when he got in the top ten. 
But when you take into account that this was mainly due to a safety car, the fact that the majority of the front of the field had crashed into each other and were now at the back, this isn't quite so impressive. If it wasn't for the tyre, could we have seen something a lot more impressive from Sainz last weekend? No, no. I've lost all respect for Sainz. Why? Oh, because he he crashed his car, he's driving around with a rear wing that's at 90 degrees the wrong angle, and he comes on the radio going, guys, guys, I think there might be something wrong with the tyres. <laughs> and, like, and, he's, and he's doing it with that kind of tone of like, listen listen to me guys, I'm the driver here, uh, I'm, I'm the one on the ground, I've got a sense that something might be wrong with these tyres. <laughs> listen mate, your fucking rear wing is just facing the wrong way. Are you sure it wasn't some I kind like of development that. program? Because as you say, they, they, can't, they can't develop their engine anymore, so they were trying sort of radical new aero if it works, Upgrades, it works. But, uh, I just think it no, shows he's not a moaner. Well, I'll lay, I'll lay that one dwell in your head. So, Manor. Last weekend, we saw Manor wheeling out and showing off their new driver, Esteban Ocon. Spa was a chance for Pascal Verlein to act as a father figure, using his experience to show the adorable French teenager the Manor ropes, which he did by ploughing straight into the back of Jensen B on lap one. Ocon held his own though, and his maiden race voyage was relatively alright. He came in ahead of NASA, which isn't saying much, but considering this was his 32nd race start and Ocon's first, not bad. What did you guys think of Manor's new man? I personally loved his post-race interview when he was just like, every lap I was so close to just fucking it all up. <laughs> Is that what he said? He, basically, he just basically went, it was really hard. <laughs> so, oh, bless him. I thought he did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he shamed himself at all. There were a couple of times where he was uh, three out practice and qualifying, I seem to remember. He was well on the par with their line and he didn't crash into the back of a McLaren, which has got to be good. Yep. I thought he did pretty well. Rock so on, knock on. That's nice. my new thing. You've got Stoffel Roffel. This is going to be my thing. It's terrible. And finally, Sauber. The honeymoon period of subsidised success really is over for the recently refunded Saubers. Between them this weekend, the drivers experienced floor damage, no sixth gear, loss of power, engine penalties, cooling system problems, resulting in pit lane starts and a retirement. The problem is, Sauber are running out of weekends to write off. Should they just be looking to next year? I don't see why they bother turning up. I'm pretty no. sure they are looking exclusively towards next year. I mean, the fact that they're having uh, fuck-ups, as opposed to just being slow, is a little so bit worrying. So many fuck-ups. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine they're doing much to this year's car at all. They've basically just gone, this year has been a complete disaster. We've got a bit of money for next year. We'll put everything into that. And you watch. I'm going to say it now. Sauber World Champions 2017. Brilliant. All of which takes us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Okay, the Drivers' Championship looks like this. In first place, look behind you with 192 points. Second place, what the fuck's he doing here with 186 points? Third place is, do you want a drink? Fourth is, you could have had my eye out with 114 points. Fifth is, I am your king now, bow down before me, or just move out of the way. (laughs) Sixth, fucking everybody else is wrong with 100 points. Seventh, it all looks so promising. Eighth, I've never had a podium. Ninth, I don't like changing tyres with 38 points. Tenth, it's hard to drive with tears in your eyes. Eleventh, that was fun. Twelfth, guys, I think there might be a problem with the car. Thirteenth, nearly with 24 points. Fourteenth, when I biffed a Ferrari at the start of a race, I got fired. 15th, fuck this. 16th, ow. 17th, oops. And 18th, it's Stoffel Ruffle with one point. Yay! And the Constructors' Championships. In first place, we used our engine penalties wisely with 378 points. Second place, we split our strategies. One driver was sensible, the other was an idiot with 224 (laughs) points. Third place, we could have been good if you let us with 223 points. 
Fourth place, we don't understand how we're doing so well either. <laughs> Fifth place, we don't understand why we're doing so badly either. <laughs> Sixth, soon we'll be just beneath our predictions from two years ago. Seventh, our engines are so old they're running on leaded fuel. <laughs> Eighth, turns out everyone else was right about us with Haas. That's 28 points. Ninth, focusing on 2020. And 10th, we're less at the back than we were, but still at the back with one point. And now, Terry Saunders with the State of F1. Have you ever used a public toilet for not its intended purpose? I'm talking about that if you want to get changed, but the only place you can find is the bog in McDonald's. So you're in there, your stuff spread out, and somehow also try not to touch anything. Then, when you're half naked, there's a knock on the door by someone who really needs to use the toilet and all be sick. Obviously, I don't need to explain this analogy, but I would anyway for you people. It's Jensen Button. He's using that McLaren seat to get his glad rags on, to climb out of his Tesco uniform and put on some links. But at the door is a desperate Stoffel van Dorn. He's trying to go out, but if he can't use the toilet, there'll be shit everywhere. Button has to vacate that toilet. And that's what my state of F1 this week is about. What's going to happen to Button next? It's like, it seems he's going to have to finish at McLaren this year, whether he likes it or not. But I want to I discuss his options. So, his options are these. Number one, stay at McLaren. That's not an option, Jensen. Stop talking about it. Two, go to Williams. What a romantic notion. All the team needs is an experienced driver who... Wait, that's Massa. Go and talk to him about how it's going. Oh, you know Massa, Jensen. You used to be teammates with his dad, Rubens Barrichello. Third option, Top Gear. Fuck off. No. Fourth option, the uh, WEC World Endurance Championship. The WECI right? races. The WECI races. Now, Weber's gone to WEC, and what's happened to Weber? He is so depressed, he just keeps <laughs> coming back to Formula One. Well. Like someone who's quit a job and just kind of goes, Oh, hi guys, I just wondered if you guys are going out tonight. I just thought I'd come around and see whatever. You know, it's it's, he did win the World Championship. And he's still at Formula One. That's like, <laughs> that's like going, Hey, Mark, how's your new job going? Oh, it's great, it's great. I got promoted and everything, but uh, you know, it's fine. But don't worry, Jensen, I have a solution. You can be my friend. I mean, that's not desperate. <laughs> well, shut up. Jensen, we're the same age. We're only like three days different. We doubtless got lots in common. For example, I really like Formula One. And I have two normal names which will compensate for your two ridiculous ones. We can go to Alton Towers or just maybe hang out in town. You won't have done that for a while. You can see that in real life, the local weather swings on a Saturday night can be really fulfilling, actually. Especially when you do that game where you try and flick and catch the beer mats. Excellent. <laughs> but don't stay in Formula One. Stop with touching cloth. Let him go. Let him go. Go! <laughs> That's it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about Mercedes' new Formula One engined hypercar that they're <laughs> making. They have just announced that they're going to make a road car uh, and it's going to have the 1.6 turbocharged engine that they've got in their F1 car. And it's going to have a thousand horsepower with a hybrid engine. It's going to be a monster. And then when you take it to a garage, you get a 55 place penalty. Yes. <laughs> and Terry Saunders. Well, we haven't talked about it. The Italian Grand Prix coming next week is the first of this new Heineken sponsorship of Formula One. Oh, so what's going to be different? I oh, know, we all did. What's going to be different? It's going to be very Heineken-y. Tinnies all round? Tinnies all round. That's what we need. We'll be back next week for the Italian Grand Prix. Until then, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and tell your friends about the show. Warn your family about the swearing because our beat machine is fucked. I've been G. Grez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.